Turn to John chapter 10, if you would. John chapter 10, as we begin this evening, we're doing a series on Abraham, calling Abraham the friend of God. We're looking at how God encountered Abraham and how he called him to the work that Abraham finally did. Uh, there is no greater uh, experience in the life of a believer than to be encountered by God. That is kind of the, the epitome of everything that happens in a believer's life. And that will set the course for a person's life from that point on. In John chapter 10, verse 3, we have a couple of verses that the Lord Jesus Christ spoke. He presents himself here as the good shepherd. And in reference to that role that he plays, these verses tell us what he does in the life of everybody who knows him. Look at verse 3, if you would. John chapter 10, verse 3. It says, The sheep hear his voice, and he calleth his own sheep by name, and leadeth them out. And when he putteth forth his own sheep, he goeth before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. So God as the good shepherd, Jesus as a good shepherd, calls us, and then God leads us to where he wants us to be, where he's called us to go. The only responsibility that you and I have in that whole process is to follow him. That's all we need to do. And that's exactly what happened and what God did in the life of Abraham. Uh, first, as the good shepherd, uh, he took the initiative to call Abraham by name and led him out. And second, Abraham had walked so close to God, uh, he knew God's voice when he spoke. And so he followed God in faith and in trust and in confidence, and went to where God wanted him to be. Now, the good shepherd, we find also in the book of John later, the book good shepherd is also the door. And so what the good shepherd does, he opens the door to his sheep, and then leads his sheep through that door uh, to the work that he has for them to do, that he has called them to. And by doing all of that, God fulfills his purpose in those who he has called. Uh, almost everybody, I'm sure, is aware of the image given to us in Psalm 23. We're not going to read that tonight. I'm sure you know it well. But the same image is given us to us there. And what we see fleshed out in the life of Abraham is that pattern we're given in uh, Psalm 23. And it's a pattern for every believer to follow. This being the shepherd calling us and then leading us and us following him to where he wants us to go. Every encounter of God for a believer looks just like what we see in Psalm 23 and has the same potential, the same possibilities as God leads us. Now, it's going to look different in the life of each individual because God's going to call you different things and call you in different ways. But in every case, it results in the fullness of life that only God can provide. As you cooperate with his plan, God fills you and uses you, and there's nothing greater on earth. Now, what we're going to do tonight is we're going to consider the first encounter of God toward Abraham in the land of Ur. Genesis chapter 11, look at verse 31. Genesis eleven thirty-one. And Terah took Abram his son... And Lot, the son of Haran, his son's son, and Sarai, his daughter-in-law, his son Abram's wife, and they went forth with them from Ur of the Chaldees to go into the land of Canaan. And they came into Haran and dwelt there, and the days of Terah were two hundred and five years, and Terah died in Haran. Now here we see the scripture telling us that Terah took his family from Ur to go to the land of Canaan. But the scripture tells us in other places that really Abraham was one that God appeared to, not Terah. Uh, I want to read you Acts chapter 7, verse 2. This is where Stephen is defending himself before the council. He says, Men and brethren and fathers, hearken. The God of glory appeared unto our father Abraham when he was in Mesopotamia before he dwelt in Charan. And he said unto him, Get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and come into the land which I shall show thee. Uh, in Genesis fifteen seven, God speaks to Abraham again. Turn there, if you would, just a few pages over. Genesis chapter 15 and verse 7. Here, God is reminding Abram of what he's already told to him, uh, telling him again. Uh, Genesis chapter 15, verse 7, I am the Lord that brought thee out of the Ur of the Chaldees to give thee, uh, give thee this land to inherit it. So Terah may have initiated the move, but the purpose of God was revealed and reinforced in Abraham. 
Now, there are four features of this encounter we want to talk about tonight as we go through this study. Four features of this encounter that, God, that Abraham had with God. And it'll let us also see how encounters with God look in our lives as well. And if you have an outline, these are on there for you. The first feature of Abraham's encounter with God is that God took the initiative in the encounter. God came to Abraham and revealed his will to Abraham. We read about the good shepherd a few minutes ago. Abraham, or rather, uh, the good shepherd, Jesus Christ, is the one leading him out and the one going before him. Now, here's something I want you to be keenly aware of and that we all need to be keenly aware of. God always takes the initiative when he's about to do something in our lives or accomplish his purpose through us. God always takes the initiative in the life of that one he has chosen. Now, the initiative may happen early in life, as it did with Samuel. As a young boy, he served with the priest Eli. God had a job for Samuel to do. And at a very crucial moment of God's purposes for Israel, Samuel would become that prophet, that priest, and that deliverer uh, to God's people. So it happened early in uh, Samuel's life. Others God has called as teenagers. His call to Daniel, his call to Joseph, both occurred when they were in their teens. And God used them as well, both as deliverers and as prophets to God's people when the time was right. Others, God came to them when they were mature adults. Uh, Many of the prophets, as well as the disciples of Jesus Christ and the apostle Paul, were all called in their adulthood. And we know the work that they did and the impact they had as they followed through on God's call. Then we have those in Scripture who were called as senior adults, people like Simeon and Anna and Elizabeth and Zacharias. What I'm trying to say is no matter what your age, no matter what age you find yourself, uh, God calls those. And when God calls and they respond, God's work is accomplished. Uh, God's initiative to Abraham, God's encounter with Abraham came when he was older as well. When God appeared to him the second time, we just read it here a minute ago, established his covenant with him. Abraham was 75 years old. To give you a reference point, that's older than Steve. That's an old, old guy. Yeah, so he's not there yet. What we see is that any time, at any place, in any way, God can take the initiative and set up an encounter in somebody's life, and he'll encounter that person and take that person who has chosen to fulfill his will and encounter that person. History is filled with those people who God took the initiative and called them to do his work. You could read biographies over and over of people that God entered into their life and encountered them and called them to the work they called, that he uh, had purposed for them. I've been serving God in some form or another since I was 14 years old. At age 55, that's when God took the clear initiative and specifically called me into the work that I'm in today. If you're doing a work for God, I'm sure that you can pinpoint the exact time when God took that initiative and called you to that work. Whether you were willing to do it or not, God entered at some point in time and said, this is what I want you to do. And if you are a wise believer, you obeyed that call. If that has not happened yet in your life, And if your heart is willing and obedient to to him, the time's going to come. God encounters every believer with some purpose because God has a purpose for every believer, again, determined before time began. And when it comes, as we've heard here tonight, there is no doubt that it's God taking the initiative. You're not going to question that. You're going to know that. And you're not going to know that he's the one calling you. And what it takes from us when God initiates that call is nothing more than willing surrender. Just say yes. All that is required from us is what our church theme is all about this year. Simply all for Jesus. If Jesus calls me, I'm willing to do whatever it is he calls me to do. And I'll say something else that you know if you've responded to God's initiative. It's not always easy, and there are days when you want to give up. We've heard some folks talk about that even tonight. Others, we all feel that way from time to time. 
But I will also tell you this. If you respond to God's initiative at the same time, you will never look back and regret the day that God initiated that call. (laughs) You're not going to wish it hadn't happened. That's not going to happen. In spite of the struggles, there is nothing better than to have God leading you and knowing that you're on on the exact path that he has called you to. You may be like Abraham, uh, not knowing uh, anything of God's particulars. You may have no idea of the direction of the path. What you will know is that he is yours and that you are his and that life goes best when it is, he is recognized as Lord over all of it. That's what, that's what works. And knowing that, you may question the direction, but you'll never question the relationship. And that's important, folks. You may question the direction. But you'll never question the relationship when you know for sure God has called you. And you'll look back on that path at the end of it and see the path you've taken. And you'll see God's guiding hand all over it and all through it. You'll see his protection and his preservation and his provision in every step of the way that he led you. And you'll see that his purpose was clear and undeniable, even though it was probably not clear when you walked the path. (laughs) Typically, it's not. And each step along the path that God sets up for us is a huge step of faith. And that's the kind of faith that Abraham demonstrated in his walk with God. All that God asks from us is the same kind of faith that Abraham demonstrated. Now, God reinforced that faith in Abraham by consistently convincing him that God would be the best one to work through him and to fulfill that eternal purpose. And with that understanding, each day would be simply a continued walk of faith. Continued walk of faith. Now, if God had designed our walk with him in that way, The only wise choice to make believer is to submit ourselves to it and trust him for it and let him lead us in whatever direction he's purposed for us. Because any other approach we take will accomplish some of God's will, maybe, but only that approach will accomplish all of God's will. Now, what's interesting to me is as much as God used Abraham, as much as he is a model for us as we walk with God, very little is known about his background. As you read through Scripture, you don't find a lot about the the young history of Abraham. It's really not there. What we do know is that Abraham gained a reputation among his own family that he could be trusted. Because when he decided it was time for them to move, they moved without any protest or complaint being recorded. He said, let's go, and they all went. And from what we know about Abraham, it's clear that his integrity with God was beyond question. It's clear that when God spoke, Abraham knew that it was God, he knew what God was saying, and Abraham had a heart to obey. And that is all clear due to his immediate response to God's call. What's also clear is that Abraham must have been living like that for a long time. And so when God spoke, there's not even the hint that his family did not believe what Abraham told them God had said. And Abraham made the decision to go in a place that only God knew. I love this verse in Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 8. This is talking about Abraham. It says, by faith, Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should after receive an inheritance, obeyed, and he went out, I love these words, not knowing whither he went. (laughs) God said, go that direction. And Abraham says, okay, I'll go. He has no idea where he's going. But God said, go that way. And Abraham went that way. Hebrews 11.8 is a fantastic verse that describes for us how believers operate. Abraham was simply content in knowing that God would reveal his plan to him a day at a time or a step at a time. It didn't make any difference how God did it. He was just content to know that God was leading the show. And Abraham knew that the only requirement that placed upon him was to obey God when God moved him. And the greatest indication to me of Abraham's reputation in his walk with God is that even his father moved when Abraham spoke. 
Now, if you have fathers, you know that's not a normal thing for a father to follow a son. <laughs> but that, again, is, it speaks to the reputation that Abraham carried. So, is there any question at all why God chose Abraham? Clearly because God knew Abraham's heart. God knew that Abraham would obey and would begin the journey. Whether he knew where he was going or not, he knew that Abraham would walk out. And in pursuing that journey, Abraham would meet every requirement that God has set for him and for that one who he was seeking to build a nation for himself from. So that's the first feature of the encounter of God with Abraham. God initiated and God always initiates the encounter. Here's the second feature, especially from God's perspective, one that we've mentioned many times already. The feature of faith. The feature of faith. We're going to talk a lot about this because this is so important as we try to, uh, as we seek to walk uh, as God wants us to. The nature and quality of the faith that we demonstrate are the essence of God's relationship with that one whom God has chosen. The faith that God is seeking is, first of all, a certain quality of relationship with him. In other words, that faith must have a heart like God's heart. Have a heart like God's heart. The heart of that one whom God chooses must match the heart of God himself. And faith is the vehicle that accomplishes that. I'm going to remind you when God was seeking to choose David as king and rejected Saul as king, he made the reason he did that undeniably clear. First uh, Samuel 13:14 says this, but now thy kingdom shall not continue speaking to Saul. The Lord hath sought him a man after his own heart. And the Lord hath commanded him to be captain over his people, because thou hast not kept that which the Lord commanded thee. Who was God looking for? A man after his own heart. One author has said this, The heart of God and the heart of that one whom God chooses must beat as one. You and God must have heartbeats that are the same. What is on the heart of God must be able to be not only revealed, but also received by that one whom he's called. And only a heart that is like God's heart is capable of doing both. When God says something, when God reveals something, that is accepted and also received by that one who, who, uh, whose heart is beating like God's heart. Uh, what does God examine when he seeks somebody to fulfill his purpose? You remember again, he chooses David to be king. First Samuel 16, 7, The Lord sees not as man seeth, for man looketh on the outward appearance, but the Lord looketh on the heart. That's where God looks. God checks hearts. That's what he checks when he's calling somebody. Obedience that is expressed is obedience that asks no questions. It is obedience that's based solely on, upon who God is and on the person's experience in their own life of God as he is. That faith that God is looking for is expressed by responding to God in trust and reliance and commitment and obedience. Now, I've been saved a long time. I find faith to be somewhat of a tricky thing in, in my life, in the life of a believer. Because we talk about faith as following God blindly. And in one sense, that's true, allowing him to lead and him only identifying possibly the next step. That's true. But that's really not the whole story. We follow God, but it's not as though we follow him without experience. We don't follow him without experience. And by that, I mean we follow God based upon what we know of him as he's made himself clear to us and known to us and as we have experienced him from the time of salvation. God would never ask somebody to trust, would never ask us rather to trust somebody who is not trustworthy. And trustworthiness must be shown. God would never ask us to do that. We are never asked to put faith in somebody who has not demonstrated themselves to be worthy of the faith that we place in them. And so from the moment of salvation, God has shown himself to you as worthy to be trusted. And I'm sure that's the case. That better be the case in your life. 
at, from the moment of salvation, God has shown you himself worthy to be trusted. And from that point, the more that we simply respond to him openly and confidently, the more he reveals of himself to us. So that the more that he reveals of himself, the more we trust him and respond to him, the more we trust him and respond to him, the more he reveals of himself, and on and on and on it goes. So our faith grows as God systematically reveals himself to us, and as we in turn believe him and respond to him. Now, how much faith is God looking for from us? I want you to turn to Matthew chapter 17. How much faith does God need from us? What is the amount of faith necessary for God to use us and for us to follow the plan that he has for us? Matthew chapter 17 and verse 20. A familiar verse, I'm sure. Matthew 17, 20. And Jesus said unto them, because of your unbelief, for verily I say unto you, if ye have faith as a grain of a mustard seed, ye shall say unto this mountain, remove hence to yonder place, and it shall remove, watch those last, verse, those last words, and nothing shall be impossible to you. Now, if you have no reference point for this, I want to hopefully, if I can make this work, I'll show you what this looks like. Hey, technology. I love technology. Got nothing going on. Brother, can you flip that slide for me? It's coming. There it is. That is a mustard seed. Okay, and the reference point there, look at the fingers of that person holding it, and look at the mustard seed itself. That is how small a mustard seed is. Uh, you can see what the size of it compared to that person's fingers. That's all the faith God wants from us. <laughs> Just that. If we have that kind of faith, the Bible tells us God can use that, use us. Notice our Lord's definition of that faith at the end of the verse. He says, if we exercise that kind of faith, nothing shall be impossible unto you. If you have that much faith, God can do anything he wants to do through you. No matter what it is, he can do it. So God starts with small faith, faith the size of a mustard seed, and God develops that faith. Strong, growing, God-sized faith begins with small, simple steps of obedience based upon all we know about God and have learned about God by our experience with him and by what his word tells us. So it starts there, and then God develops that faith by revealing himself to you. That's how it began with Abraham, and God began to fulfill his eternal purposes through him as a result. And that's how it begins with every believer, just like that. That's why many fail, because they never know, and that's why they never know the, the uh, complete and eternal purpose that God has set for them. They simply couldn't take that first step of faith. They couldn't take that first small step when God encountered them and God called them. They simply couldn't trust. Based upon what they already knew about him, for whatever reason, they couldn't trust him. And if a person can't take that first step of faith, God's purpose stops at that point. If you think about it, Peter did the same thing Abraham did. Uh, Jesus asked Peter to leave everything and follow him. And Peter did that. And his testimony lives on to this very day. And because we know the entire story, we can see what God had planned for Peter when he first encountered him. We see Peter getting out of the boat. We also see Peter preaching the sermon during the time of Pentecost. So God did some awesome things through Peter, but it began with Peter believing what he knew of God first and taking that first step of faith out by taking that first step of faith out and allowing God to do the work through him. And that's how it's going to work with you and I too, folks. You've got to step out of the boat, as Mary mentioned a minute ago, step out of the boat and fulfill God's purpose by following what he's called you to do. Now, Here's the sobering thought behind all this. There are those whom God calls today. God asks them to leave all and follow him to a place that he will show them as time goes along. 
and they simply can't take that step of faith. They simply can't do it. They don't have that much faith to pull it off. And the result is they choose not to do it. And as a result, the eternal purpose that God has set for them is lost at that point. Now, they can still live devoted lives. They can still live lives of dedication to him. God can still use them in some ways. But the original call is gone, and the fullness of time has passed, and their lives will not be what God originally purposed for them to be. No matter how much they pray or cry or plead, they wouldn't step out by faith, and God says, okay, I need to find somebody else then. And God moves on. Believer, when God takes the initiative to encounter us and present his eternal purpose to us, as he did with Abraham, that is our fullness of time. That's our time to act. And our response must and can only be obedience based upon complete faith in him. We must prepare ourselves now for that moment. So when it comes, we can respond in a way that fulfills God's purpose that he has set for us. That's the second feature, this whole idea of faith. The third feature is that Abraham responded to God's initiative on both what he knew of God and what he did not know of God. As we've seen, a response of faith is based on fact. There's some things you know about God because he's revealed those things to you. You've seen it in his word. You've seen it by experience. So in that case, uh, there's no blind faith. We know something of God before we ever stop out. Uh, Faith is never blind, folks. Faith is never blind. It may be dim at times. It may be a little murky. It's never blind because it's always based on the God that you know. You always step out in the faith of who you know a God to be, and that's where it starts. So the first step of faith uh, is that God moves. uh, uh, I'm sorry, the the step of faith upon which God moves is based upon all that we do know about him. It's clear that Abraham knew about God uh, because he, he knew that God could be absolutely trusted, especially with something as large as what God had called him to. And so Abraham obeyed God because Abraham believed God, and God took him to the next step of faith, As a result, what a person does when they are encountered by God shows that that person believes about God. When God encounters you, what you do with that encounter shows what you believe about him and how much you really do trust him. Uh, We know enough about God to know that we are to trust and to obey him. When we see his immediate, when God calls us, what we know about God is that we are to obey immediately. That's why knowing about Abraham's past really is unnecessary. Because what you see there is when God called, he responded immediately to that call. We know that that relationship with God was based upon his faith. It had to be. Otherwise, he would not respond the way he did. What that tells us is he must have had a long-standing, intimate relationship with God to make such a huge decision and to move from the Ur of the Chaldees to Haran. That decision was made so quickly, it could not have been made that quickly and so thoroughly and so obediently had that relationship not always already been established. That deep relationship that existed between God and Abraham. Abraham had walked so close with God that that God knew that Abraham's faith was sufficient in character to respond. And that Abraham would continue to respond as God revealed his will to him one day at a time. And that's how he did it. One day at a time. We talk a great deal here about developing a relationship with God through his word and through spending time alone with him. A part of this whole scripture writing thing is to help you develop your relationship with God. That's part of what it's all about. And I know that when we talk about that, sometimes we hear that as just a requirement, something we're supposed to do because God told us to. What we need to see, folks, that relationship is at the core of everything God wants to do with us and through us. That is the starting point and the ending point for God's purpose for you and for the eternal purpose he set for you before time began. Uh, That relationship opens the door to God doing his special work 
and using us as instruments in the work he wants us to do. You see it in Abraham's life. Uh, we have nothing to lose and everything to gain by fostering an intimate, personal relationship with him so that we are ready to respond as Abraham did when God took the initiative in his life. Amen. When God comes, we must be willing and able to take that first step of faith, <laughs> that mustard seed step of faith, so he can develop, develop our walk and fulfill his purposes in us. Here's the final factor. Abraham's step of faith and obedience in his own life deeply affected the lives of others around him. Abraham's father, his other family members, uh, their wives and children, along with the trusted servants they had there, were all caught up and influenced by Abraham's decision to walk by faith and in obedience to God's encounter with him. Now, uh, they, he may not have been aware of that effect, just as we may not be aware of the effect of our faith and obedience on others as well. Uh, the entire course of that family, their entire experience of life, their entire world was affected by what Abraham chose to do. He changed everything with them when he made that choice to step out. That family must have put faith in Abraham, and they also must have put faith in the God that Abraham served to make that choice. And we must be aware that if we take this step of faith, it's not going to affect just our lives. When God encounters you and calls you and you take that step out, that is going to affect the lives of those you have influence over, even though you may not even know who you're influencing. Amen. We can influence our own families, our own friends, our church family as well, simply by demonstrating the faith that God requires of us when he calls us through that encounter. Every person in this room, every person listening tonight can affect everybody around them in a positive or negative way based upon how we respond when God initiates his work in our lives. You're going to affect somebody by that choice you make, whatever that might be. And we must never minimize or lose sight of that fact. I think we're going to be held accountable for the influence that we have, whether it's good or bad. And I am being more and more impressed by the fact, folks, that we are a body here, this little body we have, we're a, a to influence each other toward uh, serving God in a, in a greater way. That's why we're together. And what you do with God's call on your life is going to affect somebody else in the pew next to you or in the seat behind you. Amen. It's going to affect somebody because they're watching what you do. And you can struggle. We all struggle. We can have difficult times. We all do. That's not the point. How are you responding to God's call upon your life? Are you responding in faith or are you responding in doubt? They're watching. Somebody's watching. And they're going to be influenced by that, just as Abraham's family was influenced by the choice that he made. Now, two other things I want to say, and we're going to close. First of all, everything that God did with Abraham, from developing a special nation from him to bringing a Savior to the world through him, was, occurred because of Abraham's exercise of faith. That was the central point. We're not going to read it tonight. Romans chapter 4, verses 1 through 5, and also verse 11 show us that Abraham's faith became a model for the quality of faith that would be experienced by all those who God would call his children. Abraham's faith became a model to all of us as to how to respond. And I believe that is the faith that resulted in God calling Abraham his friend. That faith was a central point where God said, you know what? I can trust this guy. <laughs> He's a guy that I can depend upon. And he became God's friend as a result. Number two. We read in Genesis chapter 11 that Terah, Abraham's father, we read that tonight as a matter of fact, uh, didn't follow him to the promised land. Abraham went and Terah stayed behind and Terah died in Haran. Now, I want to tell you, if we are serious about following God in faith, if we are, as a church are serious about following God in faith, 
it is possible God is going to have to remove some people from our lives or from this church to, to accomplish that. And he may do that because they'll be a hindrance to us. He may do that because if they're there, they might become an excuse for us not to follow. And so God may have to choose to pull some people away from us in order for us to accomplish what God wants us to accomplish. God will take them from our lives or from our church. And we may have sorrow over that. We may feel a grief because of that. But that activity, please hear me, is one more expression of God's love for us and his desire to make us usable to him. When that doctor cuts you open and takes that mass out of you, he's not trying to be mean to you. He's trying to make your life better. He's trying to improve your life by doing that. In the same way, at times, God will remove somebody from your life or something from your life. He's not being mean to you. That thing's going to harm you. It's going to hinder you. So he pulls it out to make sure you can do what he's called you to do. And so we need to understand the cost to this and what the liability is to following him. We simply must have the faith to obey. Just have the faith to obey. When God encounters you, and again, we've heard tonight, heard other times, when he does that, you're going to know it. When God encounters you, walk by faith and obey what he's calling you to do. Uh, We will not know until we see him the opportunities that we have gained or lost because of the exercise or the lack of exercise of our faith toward what he's called us to. But God will do something great with us. And I'm saying that with, with complete confidence. God will do something great with us. God will do something great with his church. And we will simply walk by faith. Take the first step, and God will lead us where he wants us to go. Stand if you would.